We have been in the book of Revelation for like six months. Like I said, people said, are you sure that you want to do this? And I said, no, but we're going to do it anyways. Because many people don't try to go through the book of Revelation because there are parts of it that are very difficult to understand, but we have kind of dug in. And I love the book of Revelation because it is about the future and the hope that we have in Jesus. And also, I think it's sad that some people don't dive into this book because it's the only book in the Bible that actually comes with a promise that you will be blessed if you read the book of Revelation. And so we have dove into it. There's been many times where, where I stand here and say, okay, I don't know exactly what this means, but, and there's going to be more of that today, because it is beyond our understanding. Like, we're in the middle right now of the last chapter and a half of Revelation, and we're going to try to understand a little bit of a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. And that is so far beyond us, but we're going to try. We're going to see what we can get. And so we're wrapping it up. Last week we started to talk about this new earth and new Jerusalem that God is going to bring for his people to spend eternity. And because, again, if you weren't with us, people have these weird ideas of what heaven's going to be, that we're just going to float on clouds and play the harp forever. But like the Bible talks about the richness of eternity so much more than that. In fact, that's not even biblical language at all. I don't actually know where that started. But there is so much more to it. God is going to make a new creation, a new earth, a new heavens that we get to be a part of. And when he describes it, 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 it again, is beyond our comprehension, but it sounds amazing. Revelation tells us that God is going to give us new glorified bodies. I don't know about you, but I would love a glorified body. This thing, not glorified, let me tell you. I would love, I, I, people, you know, when I was young, I would hear people complain about being 40, 41, which I am now. I'm like, oh, it can't be that bad. No, it's not, but still. When you, when you stand up and you make sounds, you realize you've hit that, that moment in your life, like, oh, I'm that guy now. So I'm looking so forward to that. And then Revelation tells us that not only is there going to be a new creation, but there is going to be a city in the new creation that is kind of the center of the new creation. It's called New Jerusalem, and it's going to be the capital city. And we can see as we begin to explore that, that it's going to be incredible. Now I want to say, there is... Probably a lot of what we're going to talk about today that is symbolic in some way. But I don't know how exactly to like differentiate like the symbolic from the literal. So we're going to talk about this as if it's literal. But I want you to know, I understand like there might be some symbolism here where God is saying it's going to be like this, but we can't really understand that. So I want to just give you some ideas. If you just looked at this and said, literally, this is what it is, it's going to blow your mind. If you then add to that the creative imagination of God that we can't even fathom, it's going to be so much more. And so we're going to talk about this. Revelation chapter 21, verse 9. If you have a device or a Bible with you, we'd love for you to read along, and they'll be on the screen as well. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls of wrath from the seven plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates 
and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be twelve thousand stadia in length, and as wide and high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God give its light, give it give it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Okay, so that's a lot to unpack right there. An angel comes to John, one of the same angels who was bringing the bulls of wrath, and he says, I'm going to show you this new city which is coming down out of heaven, meaning God has prepared this new city, new Jerusalem, in heaven, and now he's bringing it down to his people. And then John begins to describe it. And it's almost beyond description, but he says, it is shining with the glory of God like a precious gem, refracting light in every possible direction. This is God's presence, His weight, His glory. And he talks about the, the whole thing looks like a giant jasper. And most Bible commentators think that somehow jasper and diamond got switched at some point. Like the jaspers now are kind of opaque, but the diamond is really what the idea is here, that it's glowing like a diamond. You can imagine if you see a diamond ring on one of those black velvet things that they put to make it look really cool, and it's just glowing. He says all of New Jerusalem looks like that. And there's this high wall surrounding the entire city with 12 gates all around the city, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and 12 foundations, one for each of the 12 apostles. And this connects the Old Testament and the New Testament. All that God has done over all of human history is coming together in this place. And the gates are spread out, three on the east, north, south, west. This is just like in the Old Testament when the 12 tribes of Israel would surround the tabernacle of God. The 12 tribes would go three on each side. And so he's bringing back this language from the Old Testament, bringing everything together. And so the readers are understanding, oh, this is just like the tabernacle, but this is the ultimate tabernacle of God. Then John begins to speak of the measurements of the city, and this is 
mind-blowing. It's said that it's a square that has the same length, width, and height. So what is that? That's a cube. And so if we're speaking literally, New Jerusalem is this cube, and it says that it's 1,200 stadia, which is 1,500 miles in every direction. So if you begin to start to think about this, you try to wrap your mind around a cube city that is the same height, depth, width as from here to Nashville, Tennessee. Or if you were on the West Coast and you drove from the Canadian border to the Mexican border, you still would not travel the distance of one side of New Jerusalem. This is a cube that is beyond our comprehension in size. It is 2.25 million square miles just at the base. If it was a hotel that had 12-foot ceilings on each floor, it would be 650,000 stories tall. Some mathematicians who have way too much time on their hands have figured out, if they do some fancy math, that it's approximately the size of the moon. So try to wrap your brain around that. A three-dimensional city where the presence of God is, and it's the size of the whole moon. But it's a cube, because, you know, the moon round. That's where I can't do the math. I don't, yeah, I can't do that. There's a guy named Dr. Henry Morris who wrote a book years ago called The Revelation Record, and he roughly calculated, he's another guy who has too much time on his hands, he roughly calculated that if there were 20 billion people in Jerusalem through all of time, and they each had their own room or space or mansion, whatever you want to call it, each person would have 75 acres. And that's only if you only devote 25% of it to the mansions, and the other 75 is like parks and public spaces and I hope really good restaurants. I don't know. There's a wall around the entire city, which is probably, people have a hard time understanding this, but probably as high as the city and over 200 feet thick. And the entire thing is made out of jasper or diamond. So try to wrap your brain around this. I know we can't. A city that's a cube that's the size of the whole length of the United States with a wall around it that is that high and 200 feet thick that is made out of diamond. And then there's foundations all around it that have just about every type of beautiful gemstone. And then the gates themselves, did you catch this? It said the gates themselves are made out of one pearl per gate. Have you ever found a pearl in a clam? This is a crazy clam. Okay? This is where the whole idea, I never thought about this, when people talk about the pearly gates, it's because the Bible talks about each gate being made out of a pearl. And I started to think about a connection to one of Jesus' parables. Remember the story where he talks about a man who finds a pearl? Matthew 13, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. 
who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. What could be more valuable than entrance into a pearl gate into heaven? So Jesus is saying, give everything that you have for this pearl, which is entrance into eternity with God. What a beautiful picture. Everything that we've talked about so far is just the exterior of New Jerusalem, but the last six verses of Revelation 21 talk about the interior design of it, and it says there's no temple. Every one of God's major cities has always had a temple, but New Jerusalem does not have a temple. Why? Because the temple has always been the symbol for the presence of God. And in New Jerusalem, we don't need a symbol for the presence of God because we will exist in the presence of God. It says that New Jerusalem doesn't even require a sun or a moon because the brilliance of the presence of God illuminates everything. Talk about something I'm trying to wrap my brain around that I can't. There's no sun, there's no moon, because just the presence of God means I can see everything. And the people from all the nations of the world will live together in the presence of God. And it says the gates won't shut because these gates, these walls are not there for security. There is no war happening. There is no fear. They're just there because God is creative and beautiful. And so the gates don't shut. There is no night. They're not fearful of enemies coming in because everything is just and holy. And then we get to Revelation 22, and the first five verses of Revelation 22 are one of my favorite pieces of Scripture in all of this book and maybe all of the Bible, because you're going to see how they bring the entire Word of God full circle. Because if you remember all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, or if you haven't read that, let me tell you, all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, at the very beginning of human history, something horrible happens. And man is separated from God. Mankind is in the garden with God, but they disobey God and eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This causes a curse to fall upon all of mankind, and they're banished from the garden forever. There's another tree in that garden called the tree of life. And if you eat from that tree, you have eternal life. And so it sounds kind of mean, like why would God banish us? It's not mean, God was saving us, because if you eat from the tree of life while you are in a state of sin, then you live eternally in brokenness. And so God gets us out of the garden, and we're lost. And then all of human history takes place, and then we come here to Revelation 22, and you see the entire thing come full circle. One Bible scholar I read calls it the tie rod that ties together 66 books of the Bible. Revelation 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more, for they 
will need no light from the lamp or the sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. We see this entire story of the Word of God is a story of humanity starting in a garden and trying to get back to the garden. It is a new Eden because there was this brokenness that came and now in the final chapter of the Bible, John speaks about this garden in the middle of the new creation that God made for His children so that we could be together with Him forever. And right in the middle of this garden is the river of the water of life flowing directly from the throne of God. But what is the river of the water of life? We talked about this last week when the Samaritan woman is at the well. And Jesus offers her water of living water. Living life eternal. He's talking about salvation and so this is the water of the, of the, the river of the water of life flowing. It is salvation flowing from the throne of God. And on both sides of the river, we see that the tree of life is back. And people are eating of the fruit, 12 different kinds of fruit. You know why I love that verse? It means there's food in heaven. Hopefully more than just fruit, but you know, I'll take it. The tree of life is back. People are eating from the tree of life. And this is eternal life. Eternal life is present in heaven and it's yielding fruit that brings life, not death. <clears throat> and it says that even the leaves bring healing for the nations. You might think, well, everything's perfect now. Like, Why do the nations need healing? That word healing in the Greek is actually the word therapia. Where we get the word therapy. It means life-giving, health-giving. This is literally like heaven's spa. There's like, you know, a tree leaves that make you happy and eucalypt. I don't know. But this is heaven's spa. And in the new garden, <coughs> there is no curse. We are completely free from all the brokenness and the pain of sin. And it says we will see the face of God. No longer will we be hiding in the cleft of the rock like Moses, terrified that we will disintegrate if we see the presence of God. It says that in this perfect state, we will be able to see the face of God. Even though this is one of the things I don't understand because the Bible says that God is spirit. He doesn't have a face, so what does it mean to see a spirit's face? I don't know, but I'm super excited to figure it out someday. And verse 5 says that we will reign forever and ever with God. I hope those words excite you. If you're a follower of Christ, you will get to spend eternity with your father and your brothers and your sisters in a new creation that is beyond our understanding. This vision that Jesus is giving to John is amazing. And it's still just a tiny, tiny glimpse of what eternity will be. Sorry. Let's read the last section of Revelation 22. This is kind of John's ending to the book. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. 
And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. He said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. I like at the beginning of this, the angel comes to John and he says, these words are true and trustworthy. Because I wonder if John is writing this letter and he's thinking to himself, nobody's going to believe this. He's thinking, my friends are going to think I'm crazy if I send this letter. And so the angel and Jesus have to say like, hey, this is the word of God. This is true and trustworthy. Don't hide it. Make sure this word gets out because God knows that the people then and us today, we need to hear this message from God to give us a hope of the future that is coming in eternity. And three times in that little section, I don't know if you noticed it, three different times in that section, Jesus says, I'm coming soon. And you might say, well, that was 2,000 years ago. What does soon mean? This is one of the times where I think the, the old King James Version actually had a better translation he says, I'm coming quickly. We don't know when he's coming. But when he comes, it's quick. It's like a thief in the night. Nobody knows the time, the day, or the hour. But when he comes, it will be quick and fast. In the twinkling of an eye. And so Revelation is telling us to be ready. To be prepared. To be waiting upon the Lord. To not be found putting off faith, saying, ah, I'll, I'll serve Jesus tomorrow. Because we never know when tomorrow is, or if there's going to be a tomorrow. Church, He is so worthy of following today. And we can spend all this time talking about heaven, and I, it's good, I want to talk about the glory of heaven, 
but he's worthy of following today, right now, in our lives because our lives are so much more full with Jesus. Don't put off until tomorrow or next year or until you get your life together because you never will. He's saying, be prepared now. You see, all of human history is the story of not two trees, but three trees. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that mankind eats from, and we are cursed and we are broken. And then in the end, if we're followers of Christ, we get to have that tree of life, but there's a tree in the middle that makes that possible, and it is the tree that Jesus Christ died upon. And without that tree, the tree of life is not possible for us. All of human history comes down to three trees and a garden. And as someone who doesn't really like being outside, that's weird to me. But sometimes I have a moment where I just bask in the glory of what God is doing. Yesterday I did a wedding way out in Prey, Montana, in Paradise Valley, and I had never been there before, and I was just blown away by what God does. And on the way back from the wedding, I actually stopped and took pictures of this river that was just raging. I just thought about this river of life that comes from the throne of God. It's beyond my comprehension. It's something that I can't even wrap my brain around. And it makes me think about, Katie alluded this to a few weeks ago, but my mother-in-law passed away many years ago now, 10 years ago, I think. And in the last days of her life, she would ask her family to read Revelation 21 to her over and over and over again because she knew where she was going and she wanted to know about it. She had a hope. She knew that she would be in the arms of Jesus soon. And the thing that always blew me away is that she would have people read this and then she would fall asleep for a while and then she would tell us about these dreams that she would have that Jesus was giving her a tour around heaven. And the thing that really hit me as I read this was she kept saying, every time she would wake up from a dream, she would say that she was, she was looking at it, but Jesus would tell her, it's bigger. It's more than you can even understand. She would look and she would see the wall, she would see heaven, and she would say, it's, it's beyond what I can explain. And then Jesus would say, it's, it's bigger than that. It's greater than that. And soon after that, she passed away. And in that moment, her last breath on earth was her first breath in the presence of God. And she got to see, she gets to see what we will all someday see. This new creation that the God of the universe in all of his perfection and glory somehow loves me, the broken sinner that I am, enough to prepare a place for me. And he loves you enough to create this place and say, is 75 acres enough for you? Just you? What an amazing hope that we have in Jesus. I thank God for the book of Revelation. I thank you guys 
especially you that have been here for the last six months, I know there's been times where you're thinking, oh, I want to go back to something a little less heavy. But God tells us there's a blessing for us if we read the book of Revelation and we understand the future and the hope that we have. Don't put off what you can have now. Like Keegan said last week, the quote from his great uncle is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. If you feel God speaking to you today, pulling you closer, don't ignore that. Ask the Lord to be your Savior. Repent. Turn to Jesus so that you can spend eternity with Him trying to unpack what this says. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for Your Word. I'm so grateful that You love me, that You love us. Even yet while we were still sinners, You loved us enough to go upon that tree and give Your life. And I'm even more grateful that that tree could not hold You and that You rose again so that we could one day lay hold of the tree of life. So God, would You pull us all closer. God, everyone who has walked through these doors this morning, don't let them leave without being closer to You and having a little bit of a better understanding of what You are calling us to in eternity. We love You, Jesus. Amen.